welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, He predestined us to be adopted as His sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with His pleasure and will, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has freely given us in the one He loves. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace, that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. This is good news, folks. And He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfilment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In Him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession to the praise of his glory. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? Some of you say, I don't understand it. And that's why we're going through it to help you understand, to help you know, to help you get grasp the depth, the breadth, the width of the love of God and more importantly, your position in Christ. We're going to break it down. There's a whole heap of things we want to get through this morning. The first thing I want to look at is this, that you are chosen. Paul is saying off the bat, verse 3, you are a chosen people. The Greek word for chosen, uh, excuse me if I get it wrong, but it's uh, ex electo, which means to pick out to select, to choose for oneself with the idea of kindness, favour or love. Some of you would know this to be the doctrine of election. And election has confused a whole stack of people because there are two camps. There are the Calvinists, which believe that God chose only some for salvation. And there are the Armenians that believe God chose all for salvation, allowing man to accept or reject him. This is where I stand in that, that the Bible supports both. Therefore, we need to balance both positions. Someone once said, if you try to explain, elect if you try to explain election, you may lose your mind. If you try to explain it away, you may lose your salvation. And so with that, I want to look at what it means for us to be chosen this morning. Because the truth is, you are not random to God. You may look random, turn to the person next and say, you're random. But then say, but you're not random. You look random, but you're actually not random. We are all part of God's plan. This I know to be true when we talk about being chosen. Many of us do not have a good experience when it comes to being chosen. Because most of us went to school and most of us have a bad experience when it comes to PE classes. 
when you had two highly skilled people at a certain sport became the captains and then they would one by one pick their team. They said, I'll have him, I'll have Mick and the other captain says, well, I'll have Drew. And says is waiting there thinking, <laughs> I, I haven't been picked. And the captain looks, he looks over the team and says, he's like, pick me, pick me. But this guy wants to win. So he says, I'll have Pete. <laughs> How many know what I'm on about? And so when it talks about being chosen, we don't have a good experience. Because often, and many of you in the room were that guy that was the last one. And sometimes it got so bad, when all the good guys were, go were gone, the two captains looked at each other and said, oh, I just split the rest up. You didn't even get chosen. You got overlooked, enforcing that you are useless and you are no good. And we have a generation of people feeling like they are useless and no good because they don't understand what it means from a biblical perspective to be chosen. And the result is that we have approval addiction because we spend the rest of our lives trying to get the approval of those that didn't choose us. And we will do anything to get their approval. And we'll smoke drugs, we'll get drunk, we'll act stupid, just so that someone will approve of us and someone will choose us and someone will like us and someone will invite us to the party. And it's an epidemic in the world in which we live. And so we wanna go back to the Bible and say, you know, if you understand that you're chosen, you won't sell yourself short in order to be chosen by the wrong people. That's what Paul is trying to set up here. He's trying to say, don't worry about not being picked and don't worry about not being invited to the parties. You are a chosen son or daughter of the living God. Rest in that. Enjoy that fact. He says that you've been chosen firstly by God. See, there's nothing special about being chosen unless the one who chooses you is special. You've got to catch this. See, if I was chosen by my family to sing the national anthem, that's not that special. That just means I might be the best amongst a bad lot. But if Guy Sebastian picked me to sing the national anthem, that's special. Got it? If my family picked me to represent Manchester United, doesn't really mean much. It just means they love me and they're deluded. <laughs> but if Alex Ferguson recognises the skill and says, I want you, by virtue of who he is, it makes the appointment special. Well, Paul says, God chose you. That makes you special because the one who chose you is special. That makes you awesome because the one who chose you is awesome. That's why I believe people are beautiful because God chose people. They are the apple of His eye. You are special because the one who chose you is special. And don't let anybody else tell you any differently. If there's a young man that wants you to prove how special he is to you by sleeping with you before you're married, just give him the flick. You don't need his approval. You already have the approval of God because you've been chosen by Him. That's what makes your choosing so special. Secondly, you're chosen because He loves you. You're chosen for His good pleasure. You've got to understand that. He chose you because He just wants to be with you. He chose you before you were born, the Bible says. 
which means your choosing was not based upon your performance because you, before you were on planet Earth, He chose you. He looked into the future and chose you. So your choosing was not based upon your looks. It was not based upon your works. It was not based upon your ability or your gifting. He chose you before you were even born. That's the assurance we should have. We were also chosen first. Unlike the experience we had at school when we were chosen somewhere in the middle or maybe somewhere at the end, He chose all of us first. It would be like God being the captain of the team and saying, okay, God pick. And He goes, you know what? I think I'll have all of you. Isn't that awesome? No, Mick, Drew, Pete, and there's Sally and says left. And we said, well, Sally, none of that says. Just looks at them all and says, I'll have all of you. He chose you first. He didn't choose me before he chose you. He chose us first. Why don't you say that? I'm first. You are, you're first. You were chosen before the beginning of the age. And you were chosen for a purpose, to be holy and blameless. There are three aspects of being holy and blameless. The first one is our position in Christ. And that says God views us totally holy and blameless now in Christ. When He sees us, He sees Christ. He sees the holiness and the blamelessness of Christ. And that makes us holy and blameless. So there's our position in Christ makes us holy and blameless right now. But there's also our current experience. And it's God's plan that we grow in holiness on a daily basis in life and experience. Because election, being chosen, carries great responsibility. So in Christ, we are blameless, but in experience, we are becoming holy. You got it? In our position in Christ, already holy. In our experience, becoming holy. And then there's a third experience, and that's the ultimate experience, where we will be in eternity and we will be totally holy in experience and position. Isn't that awesome? Why are you looking at me stunned? This is great news. This is awesome news. That there is coming a day where we will be holy and blameless in experience, not just in position. Right now I am holy in position and I am being made holy through my experience But there is coming a time where I will be holy in experience and position. And I look forward to that great and glorious day. That's what the Bible calls it. It's great and glorious because it's great and glorious. (laughs) That's why it's called the great and glorious day when we will see Him face to face. Because it'll be a great and glorious day. Oh, happy day. This is the confidence of every believer that we have been chosen. Secondly, we've been adopted. Verse 5. You're not only chosen, but you've been adopted into God's family. And adoption means we take on the family name. We went to a conference this week and I asked one of the guys I went with to drive my car. Couldn't be bothered driving into town. And uh, Benno put up his hand and said, I'll drive. That was great. So it just meant I could relax. And we just drove into town, had a bit of a laugh. And then it came to parking the car. We went into the car park and there were some people from the church that were you know, helping us park our car. And they asked Benno what his name was. Name? Now, Benno lied. 
Then I said, Rainbow. And that name got him a privileged special park that he never would have got with Ottens. Ottens would have got him turn around, get out of here, but Rainbow opened doors for him. Welcome to the family, bro. That, that, that's the power of adoption. And in Christ, we take on His name. We are Christians. We're not just normal human. We, we are people that are in Christ. We, we've taken on His name. There are special advantages when you plead the name of Jesus. It's the name that's above every other name. Rainbow might get you a car park, but the name of Jesus will get you a whole heap more. And so I, I, don't, I don't plead my case based on my name. I don't plead my case based on the name of our church. That won't get me much. But I plead my case based upon my adopted name. I've been adopted into the family and I take on the name of Jesus. And that name of Jesus gives me strength and privileges beyond what I could ever dream, hope or even imagine. I'm adopted. I've been invited into the family. And I can lay claim to the name that's above every other name. Isn't that awesome? The name of Jesus is powerful. And it's the only name that will get you into heaven. People talk about getting into heaven. There's only one way. You've got to have the right name. Ben, I would not have got that park if you didn't have the right name. You've got to have the right name. And so to get into heaven, you've got to have the name of Jesus. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen. Adoption means that we belong to the family and what belongs to the family belongs to you. I love the fact our three kids know that what's in the fridge is theirs. They're part of the family. Do you know how nauseating it would be for them to say, can I have a grape? Like, you can have a grape. Okay. Can I have another grape? Yes, you can have another grape. No, no, what's mine's yours? Just help yourself. What belongs to Christ belongs to us. Which means as the Prince of Peace, that's what the Bible says Jesus is, we have access to peace. Yeah, but I'm going through a tough situation. Then all the more reason to have the Prince of Peace in your life. It's available. What belongs to Christ, peace belongs to you. Why don't you take it? Well, if, if this is true, and it is, why are there so many restless, discontented, look like they've been baptised in lemon juice Christians? Why? Because they're not tapping into what belongs to them. Because we're focusing on the wrong things. We're not focusing upon the name that's above every name. You've been adopted. Thirdly, you've been accepted. See, we can't make ourselves acceptable to God. And, then, and this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion is trying to get to God through some effort of their own. Be it work their way, hum their way, sing their way, dance their way, do their way into heaven. And Christianity will have none of it. You cannot do anything to make yourself acceptable with the exception of receiving Christ. And it's as we receive Christ, God sees us through those eyes. I've used this illustration many times before. But if this piece of paper represents you and I, 
and the sin that you and I are full of. And this envelope represents Christ and the holiness and the purity that he represents. When we, this, is the, this is the great thing about Christianity. Without Christ, you can't get to heaven because sin and God's holiness don't mix. It would be like the judge just turning his eye to somebody who just killed someone. We would be in an uproar because we, 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 have, we have a streak of justice in all of us. And so God can't just wink at our sin without dealing with it because that wouldn't make him a just God. We're saying, oh, just, just, forgive, just forgive me, just forget about it. No, no, we, we want justice. And so God is a lover of people, but, but he's, he's a just God. And so how can he redeem mankind? How can he help mankind and, and yet deal with their sin at the same time? He came up with this ingenious plan to send his son to live a holy, pure life that all those that believe in him could come into Christ where our sin is seen no more. What gives me access to the Father is not because of my works of righteousness, but because of the holiness and the purity and the brilliance of Christ. And so God doesn't look at me with all my sin. He looks at me through the eyes of Christ. When he sees me, he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he sees perfection. We've been accepted. You and I have been accepted in Christ. Paul wrote a letter to Philemon. And it was a letter to encourage him to accept his runaway slave. And this is what it wrote, he wrote in Philemon chapter 1, verse 18 and 17. It says, so if you consider me a partner, he's talking to a man by the name of Philemon. If you consider me a partner, welcome this man as you would welcome me. If he's done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Paul was saying, Look, I, I want you, I, this guy who used to be your slave, he did the wrong thing. I, I get that, Philemon. But what you don't know is when he ran away, he's been with me. He's had a change. I want to send him back to you. I want you to receive him as you would receive me. And if there's something that he owes you, if there's something that's not been paid for, charge it to me. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus gives us access to the Father in heaven. And whatever we lacked, Jesus basically said, charge it to my account. Isn't that awesome? We've been accepted, not based on what we do, but based upon what Jesus has already done. You have been redeemed, seven. The first part of verse seven. You've been redeemed. Redeemed simply means to release someone from the power of another by paying a price. There were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire and they were bought and sold like furniture. A man could purchase a slave and set him free. And this is what Jesus did through his blood. He basically bought us through his blood in order to set us free. Isn't that an amazing thing? He didn't, he didn't purchase us to abuse us, he purchased us to set us free. And the Bible says you've been redeemed. I mean, this is good news. You've been forgiven, it says in the second part of verse seven. The word forgiven simply means to be carried away. Jesus carried our sins away that they may never be seen again. And here's the good news. What God forgives, you can forgive too. And he not only forgives our sins, but he forgets them. He forgets them. 
And so when we're forever going on about, I did this, Lord, and I did this, and I'm so sorry, and I did this, and we're talking about something that happened five years ago, he's saying, what are you talking about? My blood has cleansed you. I forgive you. You've got to give yourself a break, people. We've got to give ourselves a break. This is the best news you're ever going to hear. The message of Christianity is phenomenal. We've just got to start living in it. This is the purpose of the letter to the Ephesians. Don't worry about the temple, Diana. Don't worry about all the things that are going on. Don't worry about the economy. Don't worry about all these things. Guys, focus on what needs to be focused on. He says, you've been enlightened, number six, in verse eight to 10. He says, you've been revealed, it has been revealed to you through Christ, the mystery of God's will. The fact that it was a mystery means it was once hidden, but in Christ... We get to see for the first time as God sees in measure. And we get to understand something of God's will for our lives. Which simply means that we are part of God's inner circle. Isn't that awesome? That we're in God's inner circle. And that's what this letter is all about. It's a letter about God's plan for His church. And so we should, we, 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 we've been enlightened. We, we know certain things that those that are not in Christ do not know. We've been enlightened that God has a plan for our lives. And so some of the things that God asks us to do, there's a purpose behind that. Some of the things He asks us not to be involved in, there's a purpose behind that. My stickability, staying around in this church for 19 years, and I plan to be around for another 19 years. The, 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 the purpose is that I might be an example, that when I am old and grey, there'll be thousands of people that can say, Tony influenced my life for the better. You don't get that running away. You don't get that swapping and changing. You don't get that changing your wife, changing your husband every other week, every other month, every other year. No, there's something about sticking, because it's in the sticking that you create the example, and it's in the example you make a difference, and it's in the difference that people people stand up and take notice. I've been enlightened to that. I've been privy to that. I'm in the inner circle. Abstaining from sexual intercourse until you're married, there's a purpose. We've been enlightened as to what that purpose is. It's not because God's a party pooper, but God wants to use you as a point of difference in the world in which we live. When we say sorry and we say, you know, will you forgive me? When we do all these things, that there's a purpose in that. We're in God's inner circle. Number seven, you are an inheritance and you have been given an inheritance. Verse 11 and 12. In Christ, we have a wonderful inheritance. That's true. But more importantly, in Christ, we are an inheritance. We are His inheritance on the earth, which means that we are valuable to Him. We are His inheritance. Yes, we have an inheritance in Christ. We have a place in heaven. That's part of our inheritance. But also, we are His inheritance. When He went to the cross, He saw us. He inherited us. That makes you and I valuable. And number eight, as our musicians come, we've been sealed. A seal is a sign of authority. It's much like a modern day signature. You go, you pay for your petrol, and your signature authorises you to be able to pay for that purchase. Well, Paul's saying it's the Holy Spirit himself that has sealed the deal in your life. It's the ever-present third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, that is proof of what I'm saying to be true. 
He's the one who empowers you. He's the one who gives you the sustenance and the strength and the energy to flesh out your walk in Christ every day of your life. I love the fact that the Godhead plays a part in our salvation. God chose us. God the Father chose us before the beginning of time. Jesus saved us through what He did upon the cross. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk out our life in Christ. And He's been doing that in the church for the last 2,000 years. If you're struggling in your walk, maybe it's just that you need a little bit more of the Holy Spirit present in your life. This is good news, people. We serve an incredible God. If we can grasp this, if we can understand our position in Christ, if we can know from an early age, some of you youngies, if we can hold on to that, I'm chosen. I'm accepted. I have an inheritance and I am an inheritance. No matter, no amount of stupidity, stupid thinking changes that. And give ourselves a break. If we understand this, then when it comes to our doing, our duty, we're going to have a lot better chance of doing that with greater effect. Because we won't be doing it to get approval. We'll be doing it out of gratitude for what we've already received in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about what husbands ought to do. It talks about what wives ought to do. It talks about what kids ought to do. It talks about what bosses ought to do. And it talks about what employees ought to do. There's, there's, a, there's a place, there's some things that we need to do. Oh, but it's got to be on this. It's got to be on the fact that you know you're chosen. Look at Wes, Wes Benighton, he's nodding, he's on the second row there. He's nodding because this is all he's heard his whole life because this is the kind of stuff that I got as a young teenage man when Paul Benighton, our pastor, back in the day, he shared this stuff. And it just captured my imagination. And I go to Paul, I said, Paul, are you saying that I'm chosen? He said, yeah. Did I hear you correctly that I'm accepted, not based on anything I've done, but what Jesus, that's it. That's it. Are you kidding me? And all I've got to do is give a tenth of my heart. Are you at one tenth? Are you kidding me? I'll give all for that. That's worth living for. And if necessary, it's worth dying for. That's worth forgiving for. That's worth turning up to church every week for. This is awesome. It's worth putting up with the good. It's worth putting up with the bad. It's worth putting up with the ugly. It's awesome. And now you're saying, you know, in light of this incredible foundation, you want me to love my wife? Is that it? Really? I just got to love my wife. You give me all this and all you're asking is I love my wife. Really? You're just asking me to forgive some people. Really? Is that it? In light of all you've given me, that's easy in you. It's not hard outside of Christ. It's impossible. This is not a case of hard and easy. This is a case of easy or impossible. You can't do it or you get the revelation and it becomes easy. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.